Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Have you calmed down yet, listener? Because I don't know if I have. It's the five-year plan podcast, episode 513, and it's panic stations. As it's raining, it's pouring, it's horrible, listener. I'm Joe Walker. I'll be your host today. And with me, it's Ben Long, who I saw at the Amex. How are you, sir? Are you feeling any better? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I saw you before the game, so we were all good then. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Although I'm not, you... sure what time, not sure what time it was when you left the stadium, but I didn't see you on the way out, so... <laughs> yes, I... Uh... It's the earliest I've left the Palace game, possibly same. ever, I think. Yep, same. Pretty bad, pretty bad. But that's a sign of where we are right now. And uh, completing today's trio, the James Tompkins to my Mamadou Sacco, it's Jack Pierce, who I also <laughs> saw at the Amex in a, in a rare, rare meeting face-to-face. It's uh, probably the highlight of my day, Joe, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. I, I fell foul of wanting to leave just after they locked the gates. So, yeah, I saw James Tompkins doing his warm down, which given that he didn't do much that afternoon to get warmed up, I don't really know what the warm down's for, but <laughs> my, my, what an afternoon on the South Coast that was. Yeah. And, it, and it's got worse since. It it really has. This could be very long, so I'm hoping to, I'm going to try and get through it as quickly as possible. Before we do, though, word as always from our sponsor at the top of the show, Green King Sport, Pack Football Schedule, Premier League Action, FA Cup, and then the, the tail end of the AFCON as well. So make sure you go to a Green King Sport pub to watch every game in the atmosphere it deserves down at your local. And remember, of course, if you download the Green King Sport app, you'll also receive 10% off drinks whenever there's a game on the telly. And that includes some low and no alcohol options too. So if you're keeping your dry agenda and move, keeping it into February, which if you're a Palace fan right now, I don't know how you're doing that, but it won't affect your sporting experience in a Green King Sport pub. Right, where were we? Palace 
4-1 defeat at Brighton. A new low in uh, recent weeks and certainly this season. It's funny, I, I spoke about seeing you both before the game. Jack, we have that conversation. And it was almost like a tonic because the rest of the time was just informing people because Signal was a bit choppy in the way and I found like I was telling everybody I saw, oh, Elise is on the bench and Esley's not starting. And you just saw people deflate before he, kickoff had even began. Was the game, was our fate already sealed at kickoff, do you think? Yeah, I got on a train from Lewis to Falmer at quarter to two and I don't know why I did because I just got whisper then that Elise was on the bench and Eze hadn't even travelled. Um I thought Roy had played a blinder on Friday in kind of smoke and mirroring it, mm. giving us the impression there were doubts. I think we were all quite relaxed about Michael Elise, especially after uh, Tuesday night. Well, that was a kind of self-preservation substitution. More worried about Ebbs, but again, Roy indicated that he he was going to be left until the day to make decisions. So I think there was a you know sense that Ebbs might not make it, but to see Michael Elise on the bench, um, it just rams home. The, the reliance upon two players, and we'll come on to the news about Elise and everything that relates to Michael Elise on, on Saturday afternoon. But yeah, the, the the die was cast before ball was kicked. And that was about as mellow a Brighton away end that I've been in. I've been there five or six times now. And that was about as mellow as it gets in terms of that fixture. The, the lack of expectation from the Palace away end, as I said, before a ball was kicked, says it all really and then the game started and it just got worse and worse and worse and has got worse since so <laughs> yeah this this is a pretty dire place for a palace fan to be i'm i've i've often tried to to maintain a degree of balance even if my instinct is to go a bit wild but i'm having i'm having difficulty this week drawing myself back in to be honest i am i am livid yeah i, I totally understand and longy i would also throw you in quite a Broadly speaking, relatively speaking, quite a positive Palace fan. You, you find the positives where you can. We concede again within the first four or five minutes. I think it's the third time in four games that we've done so. That on its own is quite frustrating. For it to be another corner conceded away from home, that's our third in two away games. Um, and I, I don't count our corner that we then conceded from in our Arsenal game as well, which you could arguably throw as that bad set-piece defending. Um if the die, you know, if what Jack says, if the die wasn't cast at kickoff, was it not then two minutes later anyway? We give ourselves no chance at all to even play a risk averse Royal Star performance here. Like, it, it, how, how long before you're ready for, oh my God, is this really happening? Yeah, well, this, this is the problem. And this was the problem at Arsenal. When we, when we, we haven't got our, are attacking threats in the team. So we, we have to stay in games as long as we can. And we, we talked about this last time I was on after the Man City game, which is ultimately how we got that result because we stayed in the game as long as we could. Now, at the Emirates and at the weekend, we've gone up against two teams that are Arsenal certainly better than us. And at this moment, Brighton are better than us and we've got to, we've got to admit that. And we're just chucking it in straight away. Not letting in, instead of being cut apart by a good team, we're chucking in, letting them score soft corners. And after three minutes, and it had to be him who scored as well. Mm. Like you say, we're, everyone was probably reeling from the team news anyway. Um, Cause we know we don't possess any threat going forward really without them two boys that they weren't, they weren't going to be there. And then yeah, three minutes in, we give up a corner. 
And it's like any game plan we had has gone out the window. Um, <laughs> I thought we, we did sort of creep into the game a little bit. But then ultimately after that, them two goals in the two minutes killed us. And then it just became an absolute fast from that moment. So, yeah, that, that, we you had a couple of bad moments already with the with the kickoff announcement, the first goal. Jack, that five, ten minutes or so of Mark Gay limping off, Wharton comes on, which I think most people would have been positive about. Um, it moves Chris Richards naturally moves back to centre half, so it all kind of thinks, okay, we can manage that. And um Wharton can see make his impact on the game. And we then can, we then can see two goals in two minutes. Wharton involved, quite losing the ball in the, from the kickoff in the second, the second of those, and that's game over. We're sort of half hour or so into the game. Um, yeah, at that point, there is. Are, are you are you on the same thinking of Roy, where you think, okay, there's something still to be gained. We've got enough time in this game to call something back, or is that just that's game over there and then? At three nil. Yeah. I'd have packed up. I'd have. I'd have decided. Uh, and we'll come on to Michael Lise, but I'd have. Yeah. I'd have put him on a train home already at that point. I'd have said, "Don't bother. Wrap yourself up. The game's gone." I mean, I, I wonder about Mark Gay whether he got injured before. He got spun twice, didn't he? In quite quick succession. It's something you yeah. see so rarely. I wonder whether he tweaked his. Turns out to be his knee before the first time he got spun because you you just don't see Mark Gay get spun like that. And he got spun by Buenanotte, and he might be Buenanotte again the second time. And the second time is when he went down for the first time and he tried to stay on and, yeah. and he couldn't. I actually felt the sub was right. The alternative was James Tompkins coming on. The last time I saw James Tompkins at the Amex was when uh, Andone burnt him oh, with a 30-yard head start. And yeah. I mean, yeah, not, <laughs> let's focus on this terrible time at the Amex <laughs> rather, than, rather than backtrack. But the alternative was, was James Tompkins. So Wharton coming on was the right sub. But even with him coming on, you see him trot on and you're thinking my word, what a baptism of fire. Like, this is going to be tough for you. You're sitting at the base of the midfield, which we've heard is not his best position. He's best with somebody next to him. And straight away, he slotted in there. He didn't put Lerma there. He put Wharton there. Um, and it it told pretty quickly that that Wharton will need some time to settle. I thought he showed some nice touches, and I'm sure we'll touch on him throughout the pod. But the the succession of goals, the speed at which they came, it just ended it all. It just ended it all. And very quickly, the banners start to come out. And I've got my opinions about banners coming out so quickly when you lose a game of football. It's not for me. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think every time we lose a football match, we need the banners to come out. But elements of the fan base clearly think that's how they're going to get heard and and think that that's having some impact. But it's not for me. But you see that happen so quickly. To be honest, the the last 15 minutes of the the first half, I I can't really clearly remember it, to be honest. And I'd only had two pints, one of which courtesy of your dad, Joe, and please thank him for that one. But <laughs> all in all, it it's at the point now where I'm, I'm not even really watching the game of football. I'm sat, I'm stood there in the away and just thinking about the broader picture, just thinking about the ownership, just yeah. thinking about the situation with Royce, thinking about are we going to survive this season? I'm not even watching the game of football in front of me. Um, and I, I, I went downstairs at half time and uh, had a chat with some Palace fans, met Dave um, and had a nice nice chat and again that was a highlight of the day to be honest but it's it's now getting to the point where going to Palace isn't even just about the 90 minutes of football you're watching it seems so much more than that and that's not really what I enjoy I enjoy going to watch a game of football with my mates and having a good time and it's not very enjoyable at the moment and and that last 
15 minutes of, of the second half, I did some, some deep thinking. And um, yeah, it was a peculiar one. And then the second half started and that took me into a whole other level. But yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a moment. Yeah, there was a fear we even discussed on here that, oh, there's a potential that Roy goes to, gets time enough to go to the Amex, gets hammered, and then that gets his marching orders. You know, actually, you know, I should say to listeners, just in case you don't know, like the Arsenal pod, we recorded on Tuesday evening almost to accommodate a potential announcement from the club because it just feels that we're kind of getting untenable with the way the, the away end is and how toxic it gets. We haven't even talked about half, beyond half time yet, but I should say at the time of recording, sort of quarter past seven on Tuesday, there has no, no announcement has materialised. Roy is currently looking like he's going to fight for at least another day. Um, and there's been some reports about sounding out candidates, uh, you know, trying to get interest but struggling. We'll get back to that on the other side of this because I feel like Longy, disaster is striking, uh, you know, midway through the first half. Brighton are singing about how crap we are. We're singing along. It's just like a total, what I would see, like, this is the lowest of the low. I'm I really not enjoying this. And yet there finds, we find a way to just take it a step worse with what ends up being the biggest controversy of the game. You know, we go, like, Mateta scores a, a quite, quite a nice goal. And we lo- we lose the game four one in the end, but it's before that it's Michael Elise coming on at half time, and with his first sort of attempted sprint on the counter, pulls up immediately, flags off. We are now hearing reports that it's going to be at least two months that he's injured for. What's your perspective on how that played out? So, like I like you say, I try and look for the positive in everything, and um, it it was. From the moment I found out the team news, like I did think that maybe there was a chance that Eze was going to play and Roy was being a bit coy. But when I found out he wasn't in the squad at all and Michael was on the bench, from that, it was just a down spiral from there, almost into a blur. Um, so first half, we let, the, we let I won't even say his name, but we let him score after a couple of minutes, right in front of us, giving him the opportunity to give it to us, which was like, this is just, this is, this is just another step in in a in the wrong direction, and then the two goals in the two minutes. The slight positive, I was actually quite surprised that Roy brought Adam Wharton on, and I thought, oh, that's that's something, that's something to get hold of there. He's actually because I was expecting James Tonkins as soon as I saw Mark go down, I thought I was expecting Tonks to be coming on. So that was a positive, but then they scored the two the two quick goals in in succession, which sort of dampened that. Then I'm turning around, I'm seeing. The usual suspects with their flags, um, trying to get some exposure, and like they do all the time, and they have done for quite a few games now. Um, people that were opposing that were trying to tell them to put them down. Then they're starting some pushing and shoving together, and for me, that was a the moment then when I was done with the day, and I was like, I tweeted about it later on that night. I'm got to the point where I am not enjoying going to Palace games anymore, and I've been going to Palace a long time because gone are the days of people being allowed to have an opinion and you, people respecting your opinion. You might not agree with it, but you respect it. But now you're not allowed to have the opinion that Steve Parrish is the right guy to be running the club now. If you say that, you get shouted down and you get people off and you're out and stuff. Like It's, it's come to a point now where that, that moment when the people were pushing and shoving each other and, that, and I thought, this is, this, is, this is done. And I'm sat there with my, with my pals 
a bit like Jack. The last 15 minutes of that half, absolute blur. I can't even remember what happened. I think Schluppi had a couple of shots, maybe. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we'll go on to um, people getting scapegoated. I mean, Schluppi's been one of the scapegoats for a long time now. Um, I thought Saturday wasn't as bad as he has been lately. Um, Geezer in front of me, shouting out so that Dean Henderson could hear him, telling him he's shit. He hadn't actually done anything wrong at that moment At that moment in time. Again, he's another one of the scapegoats that's been classically blamed for everything at a minute, even though he hasn't really done anything wrong. Um, people forgetting Sam Johnson was in a bad run of form before he got injured and cost, a, cost us a few goals before he injured, but because he's not playing, as is the adage, the players that ain't playing are the best players. Um, and yeah, I saw Michael Elise warming up at half-time. I turned around to the boys and said, this bloke does not need to touch his pitch today. Wrap him up, get him showered, change, get his tracksuit back on, do not bring him on. And lo and behold, what happened, happened. And for me, that was, that was my head was gone. I could have probably dealt with, after a couple of weeks chilling out, losing down there. We've been there before. We got thrashed. The promotion season, we got thrashed down there. So I can handle that. But when he brought Elise on, and after 10 minutes, he's done the sprint, he's gone. For me, that, my head was gone, and I was like, "Roy, that is you, that's that is a sackable offence in itself." And I stick with man- most managers to the very end. Start with pars to the ends. Start with well, start with all of them to the end, to be honest. But that was me done with Roy on Saturday when he brought on Elise. He's he's been sucking the life out of me anyway with his decisions and his constant hammering people that he shouldn't do, and then. And it's, I shouldn't do, but I do put it down to age because the older you get, you, you don't stop and think about what you're about to say. You just let it come out. Um, and, yeah, I don't want to blame his age, but that he's been getting away with a lot in my mind. And I've let him, let him go away a lot. But that, for me, was was game over. And I was like, the man, he has to go now. He's making decisions. Like, I'm not saying he's gone mental and lost his marbles, but that's not the same decision. Bringing Michael Elise on. With, he's got a hamstring injury. He knows he has. Whether he's been told he's, he can have 45 minutes, Michael's always going to say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, mm. just like Wilf did. But as a manager, you've got responsibility to that player and also the club now because he's risked Michael and we're, potentially we're going to lose him for up to two months. But yeah, that, I mean, I've gone on a little bit too long there, mate, but that was the moment. It wasn't really yeah. the first half performance as, as we were free or down or whatever. It was the Michael Aliso situation, which for me, it was like, nah, he's got to go now. I'm, I, am, I am done. I, I think that was the breaking point for a lot of people. I, I've, I've backed Roy so much on this pod. I've almost sort of provocatively said I'm a car carrying Roy apologist because, like you said, I think if you have that opinion, it's a bit frowned upon. I, he, he lost me there. Yeah, that, that was that was kind of the short. Is is it Jack? Is it simply the act of a desperate man knowing that his fate might be sealed or he needs to pull something out of the bag? Because logically, given how much we've missed him this season, that's a man that really knows how much he needs to be looked after. And actually, God forbid, the prospects of what we'd have to get on without him for the next couple of weeks. So, is it just pure? Is that a man that actually knows his job is on the line? in a way that he perhaps doesn't show in in press conferences. I mean, I'll make it three for three. I, he, he lost me with that. And, and the news that came out last night from Sammy Mottbell's compounded it, really. But I defended Roy after the Brentford game. I thought it was absolute nonsense that he was getting grief for keeping Michael Elise on a game in which he needed to keep Michael Elise on. I think under, underneath all of this, there's clearly a, uh, an issue with Michael Elise's hamstring. That's clearly an issue that has not been addressed throughout 
this season since he suffered that injury with France in the summer. But ignoring that, while I defended Roy to the hill on regarding the Brentford decision, I felt the, the criticism he received about that was ridiculous and over the top and, and was completely misplaced. Saturday was negligent. It was a act of a uh, a desperate man, a desperate coaching staff, a desperate football club. Um, and it, it shines a bad light on everybody that that decision could have been influenced by. If the medical staff don't feel they could strongly enough oppose Roy's decision there, then something's wrong. If the coach, not to name check him individually, but if Paddy McCarthy is first team coach or assistant manager, whatever the role he is, can't put his arm on, on Roy and say, Roy, it's not the right decision. If Ray Lewington, a man who has worked with Roy for nearly 15 years since since Fulham in 2007, or longer than that, longer than 15 years, can't say to somebody I'm sure they consider friends, Roy, you've got this one wrong, we need to go back and, and change the sub, then it all just highlights how chaotic it is. And I've always felt throughout all the different raids of management, and Longy just mentioned about the end the last day of Pardew, which I surely will be a film at some point. But during that period, I always felt the carnage that was going on within the fan base wouldn't be replicated within the club. I always felt the football club must be more professional than this. The 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 arrangement within the coaching staff, the arrangement within the fitness staff, the medical staff, it's not going to be as chaotic as this. That decision demonstrated to me that actually the chaos that we're experiencing as fans in the away end, at home matches, on social media, on websites, wherever, is actually probably pretty close to the chaos that seems to be within the club at the moment. If decisions like that are being made, where your most valuable player, in terms of money, and and as well as impact upon the season, I know a lot of people compare or, or com- combine Ebbs and Michael Lise to be as, as one threat. I actually think Michael Lise has been playing at a level above Ebbs this season. I think Michael Lise is considerably our best player. To jeopardise his fitness and in doing so the rest of our season and our Premier League status, I can't see any way that Roy survives that. As of 72 hours after the game, he has survived up to this point. Whether that's the case by the time we play Chelsea on Monday, we'll see. I I always think if you're going to make a decision about a manager's future, you have to leave the next manager with as much time before their first game. Well, we're not doing that, which indicates that Roy somehow might still be in the dugout uh, come Monday. For his sake, for the club's sake, I think Roy has to go now. And that's not easy to say because I I actually am very uncomfortable with the way this has turned out and played out for Roy Hodgson. Mm. And I just look back at last May and think, my God, what a perfect opportunity for that man to get the the send off that he he justifiably deserves. And here we are with some of the references, uh, or some of the phrases that were being held in his direction on Saturday blew my mind. To be honest, I just, I just can't believe some of the stuff I'm hearing. Um, but Longy's right. The 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 age that Roy is does not defend him against the accusations that are being thrown his way. The way in which some fans are referring to him is disgusting and intolerable. But that it shouldn't shy away from the fact that Roy is, and, and we've been accused of not criticising Roy at times this season. You cannot deny that the decision that Roy made on Saturday was the wrong one, and is going to impact us for the rest of this season. And yeah, I, I would be surprised if he's on the dugout on on Monday. But you know, the longer it goes on, and to be honest, I've kind of made peace with myself. If we don't hear that he's gone tonight. I think he will be the manager. If we don't 
here by the end of Monday or Tuesday night as it is, I don't think we'll hear anything on Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. Because they'll be into they'll be into planning for that game. Yeah. Which is is mad. Sorry, I've got I've I've gone on I've gone on too long there as well, but no, it's yeah. well, listen, this was always intended to be a, <laughs> a a big event than the than the even the Arsenal one that was that was dragged on a little bit, but you know, and naturally it's not the first time when when pulled up on it in the press conference. Yeah, it, it was quite sad him having to kind of someone saying, well, what do you think? They sang this about you. What do you think about that? I, I really don't like that bit of a manager's last time, particularly someone who served this world before. But in those moments, he can get very defensive, very grouchy, as he has been probably all season. And the medical team get sort of thrown under the bus a little bit. Adam Wharton gets, a me, you know, assessing performance. Yeah, re- referencing yeah. his mistake for the goal. You think, ah, oh, I know what you're trying to say, Roy, but come on, have, have a little, take a deep breath here. Um, but look, if that's three of us here saying, Roy, you've lost us there, we're people that were kind of really hoping it would all just, the fitness would return and with everybody and we could work this out and it was aware amicably or at least better terms than a 4-1 shellacking at Brighton. So there's still, what, half an hour to go in the game? Those fans that already turn not on Roy are probably reaching a new level of anger that well, you, you reference some of it. There is a goal. Those that do stay are rewarded with a, a John Philip Bateta goal. Um, but full time, it's it's boiling point. You know that's been building up not just from that's been boiling up since the first minute, and then even you know weeks before people the discontent. I've seen again. I'd gone by then, so I but I've seen these the the clip of the players approaching the the away end, which you know I imagine that was under instruction or they're just. Very aware. They did it against Arsenal, to be fair. They're, they're aware that, you know, that's not great and we're going to front it up. Um, it wasn't pretty. Anderson, Dean Henderson in particular, getting a lot of the grief. Anderson that sets up the goal, by the way. I'm now at the point of suggesting with the people who are available, does he go in midfield? <laughs> but, uh, Longy, you mentioned some already, like, just, you know, people not getting on, a bit of conflict in the away end. That, what do you think the players are supposed to do in that situation? As well or poorly as they've played, some people are really annoyed with Joachim Anderson sort of giving some back chat to the away end or like having someone screaming in his face, probably calling him everything under the sun. And he's sort of showing, well, what must, come on, there's only so much I can do. Do you sympathize with him in that situation or did you want him to kind of just approach with his head down and put a hand up and wriggle away? I don't think the players could have won whatever they did. If they didn't go over, people, well, why are they not clapping us? We've come down here. Mm. They do come over. They're just getting volleys of abuse. And how do you expect someone to receive a volley of abuse like, and not really react in any way and show no emotion to that? I didn't. I saw the clips, um, some of them really close up, and I don't think any player did anything wrong. First of all, I saw the tweets because I obviously left early as well because um, I didn't fancy getting locked in. And they were like, oh, Anderson and Henderson are giving it to the to the Palace fans. They weren't giving it to the Palace fans. Dean Henderson, like I said, he's one of the big scapegoats at the minute. He's come over and he's got his hands up and he's saying sorry and he's banging the bags down. We're sorry, we're sorry. Anderson, unfortunately, he's not been in great form. So people are jumping on that, saying that he doesn't want to be here, et cetera, et cetera. 
I know for a fact he definitely does want to be here. Um, so that's just they're using that as a stick to beat him with his with his form, and they're saying that he doesn't care. He's playing like he doesn't care. Professional footballers don't don't just tuck it in, like unless you Pierre Van Hooydonk back in the day. They're they're there. They're professional. They're there to do a job. At the end of the game, they've lost. They've come over, which I think is the right thing to do. And they're most of them are holding their hands up. They're clapping. But you see in them clips, there's a lot of people there that are fully, their heads have gone. And they're just shouting abuse. And, I mean, yeah, tell the players that it ain't good enough. That's fine. I was doing the same again at the end of the Arsenal game. I was like, this ain't good enough, lads. But the, some of the videos, you can see this. You're fucking shit. You're, excuse the language. You're effing shit. You're, and what do you expect someone to do as a human being? Like, I don't think any of the players reacted to that, really. They were holding their hands up. Paddy McCarthy come over to try and defuse the situation. And, yeah, I think the players couldn't win, in my opinion, there. If they didn't come over, they would have got abused for not going over. And they went over and and felt the abuse. Um, Now, is is that good for the players? Does that make the players think, you know what, sod this? they're not emotionally invested as some of Palace players over the years have been, like some of our legends that we love the most. You do, you know that they, they live and die for the shirt and all that sort of thing. Professional Players now are, are professional and see it as a job. And we've got, unfortunately, we've got a group of players now where there's not as many as of the lads who know the Palace way. And I feel like over the last few years of, since we got promoted, you had your demos, your ramages, Jedanak, all them people who who were the core of setting standards, the Palace way, understanding what it is to be Palace players and that. And we've drip-fed people into that. Scott Dan, Joe Ledley, over the years, we've always had a core. Maka. I'm looking around now and it's Joel Wood. Yeah. And the people that understand the Palace way, there's not a lot of them anymore. Mm. So I don't think the way the abuse is going towards the players is going to go well. Whereas back in the day, players would have stood up, punching, they would have took that on the shoulders, go, look, lads, this ain't good enough. We we need to do this for these boys. Now I think it could go the other way and the players are just like, well, we're not really bothered. Like, we're here, we're going to do our jobs professionally because that's what we are, professional footballers, but there's not the emo- added emotion as the older guard we used to have. So I'm seeing things today about Chelsea game and it's worrying signs. It's like, let's start we want Hodgson out from the first minute. Well, how's that going to go down? As a player, when you turn up and the fans are on you straight away. Like, I understand fans being upset. I'm upset. I'm, this is the most upset I've been and, and felt as unattached from the club probably ever. But I'm going to go there. I'm going to support them players because I want us to win ultimately next week. I'm not going to go there and start caning people straight away and calling Roy out. I, I do want Roy out now. We, we've all established we're pretty much in the same boat there. But I'm not going to start singing for his name to get out. At the end of the game next Monday, if things have gone bad again, then people show can show and, and be upset and say it then. But when I'm reading things today, like, oh, we're first from the first minute, we're going to be singing this. I don't know what these people think they're going to achieve. Like, like, we're meant to be supporters, you know? We're meant to support the club. Support the players, support the team, support whoever is the manager. Even though we don't really want him there, but we have to support it because ultimately we want Crystal Palace to do well and win and stay in this league because that's key. But this the, the crap that I'm reading is just, uh, I don't know, mate. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'll keep going on here. But no, yeah, the uh, players uh, couldn't win, mate. Coming over at the end, the, play, the players could win either way. 
yeah, you're, you're talking my language though. Yeah, just the head's going and it, it probably is therapeutic in the moment, makes, you know, it's cathartic or whatever, but just could do so much damage. And I, I, I'd not actually considered what you, that point you'd made there before. Uh, you mentioned Maka in, in that in that list there, Jack. You know, MacArthur and Luca both go in last summer. And Wilf. And Wilf. And Wilf. It's moments like that where, you know, from the outside looking in, we can't really observe just how much of an influence they had in that dressing room. And you, we may, if, if, we're un, if we're really unfortunate, we may yet see that in the next couple of weeks, if not the remainder of the season. Because, yeah, it's Ward, maybe Tompkins. You know, himself has been a target of some some grief in his more recent appearances for Palace. Uh, just horrid. And, Jack, before we get into this and the questions, um, so, it's, this is bad. It's a bad day. It's a really, really bad day. But you've got to look ahead. So, at least say we now know he's out for two months, reportedly. Ebbs doesn't sound especially positive. Roy mentioned he didn't even specify a timeline for Ebbs. So you're looking mm-hmm. at weeks rather than days on that one. Uh, Chelsea game certainly doesn't look good for him. Gay is hoped to be weeks rather than months. That's as ambiguous as it has been. Um, and then there was compounded with Jezrak Saki, who God knows will be needing this uh, rem- remainder of the season. His oh, comeback game. F- yeah, exactly. His comeback game for the under 21s. Ends very early. He's injured and hobbles off with what is said to be actually quite a substantial recurrence of his injury, or just a an injury that will keep him out for the foreseeable, as in he's not going to be involved much at all. Just how much trouble are we in, Jack? Can I just comment on the on the last point about the fans? Because I, I was still in there, and I, I purposefully booked my ticket side on to be away. I, you know, I was in that melee after the Brighton game last year, and I found it incredibly toxic and incredibly depressing. Mm. So I purposefully actually put myself further further to the right as you look at the as you look at the pitch or to the left if you look at the away end. But all that did was give me the vantage point of what I consider to be one of the most dystopian um dynamics between a, a football player and a and a fan base that I've seen live. I firstly I don't know how the stewards have allowed the players to get uh, advertise hoarding level. I, th- I thought that was incredibly risky from from secu- from a security perspective. But I, the the, I don't know the the volume of the anger directed at two individuals. I, I can only echo what what Longy said in, in terms of what good is that doing? What good is that doing? And it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. I was surprised that the Palace players and the coaching staff that got around them didn't act quicker to just to pull Henderson and Anderson away because I really thought we were going to see a headbutt from someone. <laughs> Whether it was a player to a fan or a fan to a player, it looked horrendous. And the only saving grace is that that didn't occur really and, and that no incident really occurred other than just the obvious animosity between players and fans, but just signals kind of where that element of the fan base is. Yeah, kind of back on Longy's point previously, there, there is a very loud element of the fan base right now. Um, amplified by social media, and I think it's it's giving and influencing elements of the the away ends in particular. We saw it at the Arsenal. We saw it on on Saturday. I don't think it represents the whole fan base. That that's one thing I would say. I don't think the fan base generally is as angry at particular players as that particular incident would indicate. 
and speaking through with, with several fans since the game, it's almost reassuring because when you see that, even though you're a Palace fan, I'm watching it with my own eyes in the away end, I'm starting to think, am I this livid? Am I as cross as they are? But should I be as cross as they are? But actually, there's a lot of Palace fans who would not act in that way and be as vociferous with their anger as they were. But just wanted to add that point because I, I feel like Palace fans who may feel that they should need to be more angry than they actually are with particular players, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it is appropriate to still remain supportive of the team that we support because they're going to bloody need it, which leads into your point, Joe. We're in a lot of trouble. We, we are in, we're bang in trouble. Um, there, there is um, a host of fixtures coming up between now and mid-March that I think we were probably all looking at with Ebbs and with Elise Fit. We'll go into those games. We'll pick up some wins. Without those games, well, now is your time, Mateus Franza. That's all I can say because there is such little threat in that final third. I just don't know where the wins come from. We might grind out some points, but then you've just lost your best centre half. You're without Czech Decore, who was not adequately adequately replaced in the transfer window. We are bang in trouble, and and you know Chelsea is one thing. Everton away, Burnley at home successive weekends two six pointers as far as I'm concerned and I can't believe I'm saying it with all the hyper bowl before Christmas about we're in a relegation battle when we lost at home to Bournemouth people going oh we're in a scrap I couldn't see it I genuinely couldn't see it I thought now we'll be okay players will come back the transfer windows to come well those players have come back but they've gone again and the transfer windows come it's gone and we didn't replace or add to the squad where we needed to so, yeah, I am worried. I do think we'll have enough to stay up. I think we will grind results out. But that's provided Selhurst becomes the fortress that it needs to become. And we cannot have the manager out from whistle one. I don't know what purpose that serves. And, and if, you, if you want to do that, don't come. Don't come. What a waste of your time that would be. No, don't come. I think Monday's going to be toxic enough. Mm. We, we don't need to be doing that from the first whistle, in, in all seriousness. And, and I think we're just going to become a circus with the national media and with fans from other clubs, if we start doing that from the first whistle. So if that starts happening, I'm not interested. And um, I'll be there to support the team on Monday night for sure. Yeah. Uh, that part could go on forever. I'm going to move us on onto part two and listen to questions because there have been a lot, as you can imagine. And some of the points that you've been bringing up between you, I want to kind of follow up on. They relate to some of the questions. So I'll try and merge them here in part two so join us after this quick break welcome back to the five-year plan podcast sponsored by green king sport where football is more than the game listener and listeners i'm going to go through your questions and i've actually gone through them all I, I, I once again apologize for those that have been frustrated. Whenever I host and I source the questions, I didn't know to check for Instagram and um, Facebook. So I've done that this time. I, what I have done, however, is merge a few of your questions together because many of you have, have circled around the similar themes. So if I haven't got your question on here, my apologies, but it may be very similar to someone, something that someone else has asked. Um, and I'll, I'll do that, actually, to follow up from some of the stuff discussed at the very end of part one. Uh, so, Longy, uh, Hodelman on Instagram, I think that's how it's said, the username. On the idea of, like, uh, Jack saying France, for example, 
We ask the same questions every week, propose same answers every week, wonder why nothing changes every week. Will now be the time we get the action and reaction we all cry out for. Um, and similar to that, our human in space on Twitter says what has to happen for Ozo or Francia to get a Premier League start. We seem more than ever now, Longy, to require them because, you know, risk-averse Palace is still letting in loads of goals, but we need to we need a goal threat. And we don't, Brighton even, despite scoring, we don't look like we have a, a great out threat creatively at the moment, certainly without Elise and Ebbs. But yet, how confident are you, especially if, if, if Roy is in charge against Chelsea, that we are going to see something that isn't just Schlupp and IU and then Will Hughes furthest forward? Are we just, uh, we all seem to understand now that we've got to at least give it a go, but are you confident in that actually happening by Monday? I'm afraid I'm not, mate, unless the manager's changed. It's, it's really is, it's that simple. Um, it's been talked about on this podcast, on the the post-match pods, about Roy having is the way, it's just the way he is. It, it, the trust issues he has with players, what he sees in training, what he doesn't see. And if he's still the manager on Monday, it will be Jeffrey Schlupp on the left, Ayo on the right, Will Hughes in the 10, and then Lerma and maybe Adam Wharton next to him. It, it just did, and that's just the way it is. Richards will slot in at centre half, Mitchell on the left, Munoz on the right, Mateta up front, and the, the goalie is, he, he'll probably still handle it. If Roy Hodgson's the manager, that's, that's the team. Right, that is Pochino ain't got to do any research on that. That's going to be the team, and that's it's sad that that's the way it is. But it is the way it is. So unless the manager changes, he's not going to start Ozo and Franca, who I think should be they should be thrown in for a start now. Let's change it. Let's try something different. Let's excite the fans. Give the fans something to get their teeth into and go. Well, you know what? This this we can get behind this, but when it's constantly the same thing that's part of the problem of, of what's sucking the life out of the atmosphere I mean the atmosphere the Sheffield United game at Sellers was I cannot remember how how dead it was like I can't remember the last time it was like that in the Premier era probably never and even though we won the game I walked away not really feeling like we'd won the game it was it was so weird so little things like that getting them boys in from the start will definitely be boosts to the to, to the fan base but I just can't see Roy doing it I really can't it's such an odd kind of um, you know a manager wants to go out on their shield I guess you know if I'm going to get if I'm going to lose my job I want to do it on my own terms but I, I think to and again not a perfect manager by the way I think to Neil Warnock's I keep going back to Neil Warnock's time coming at first spell at Palace where he's taken think, mate he's I know taken. now of Aberdeen sadly but, um, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you, are you with me? <laughs> June the 8th, Bell Lane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I remember when he fought, he, he claimed that the first time at Palace was going to be his last job in football, at least thought he was in his head. He had a way more laid-back attitude. His thing for it was, oh, look, we need mm. some pace in this team. Gary Issa, who's who are, the, who are the exciting players in the academy? Go on, let's go for it. I know the championship isn't the Premier League, and I know that points are at a premium, but we're we're not having a good time anyway, are we, Jack? So it's like it it can't get worse. So why are we set? You know, what's the, the definition of madness and sanity doing the same thing again and again? We yeah, uh, 
what what would it take? Do you think would it take a Will Hughes injury for Francis to get in the team? Is that what that really what we're looking at? Probably. Um, I I don't know if this is even viable, but I, is it now at the point where the, the ownership directs the sporting director to be a little bit more involved in team selection, even if Roy is still the manager on on Saturday? Clearly, Dougie backs Patel's Francis sanctioned the signing of him for twenty million dollars. Um, if that's the case, you would maybe think there's more of a chance, but. Harris has been very respectful of, of Roy previously. Roy, you know, for all the faults that we're, we've talked about in the first part, has a, a back catalogue of 47 years of high-level management to, to throw back on. I, I think if if the ownership starts to interfere in team selection, it presents its own problems, and, and you probably find yourself in a, an even worse situation. Yeah. That said, I I think you have to play Franca on, on Monday night. I, he's the only player that showed anything in terms of going forward on, on Saturday. The chances that Jeffrey Stutton, I think you touched on it, Joe, in the first part, Jeffrey Stutton had two moments in the first half, I think they both were, where the ball ricocheted to him after, I think, Brighton losing possession. And he hit both of them relatively straight out for Bruggen, which was which was frustrating. But those are the only chances really created. When Francis came on and played centrally, I think previously we've seen him have to come in yeah. off the left or off the right. Actually, I, I saw the most impressive display from him that I've seen. And part of that is he's more settled. He's been here six months rather than two months when he first maybe started getting minutes. I, I think he's the only player in that squad that could, I'll use a Selzy. I'll, I'll look at the Selzy bingo card. And just to, Can I just actually say that the abuse that has gone in Selzy's oh, direction over the last few days is outrageous. disgraceful. Mad. Absolutely yeah, mad. Outrageous. But anyway, we'll, we'll gloss over that one. Um, but in terms of Selzy Bingo, Francis at least could beat a man and get past a man. Jeffrey Stop ain't going to do that. Jordan Ayew looks knackered after AFCON. He looks spent. And Odson Edwards, even when playing with form and confidence, is fairly pedestrian. So even if you look at playing Edward off the left, which I think is something that might possibly be used, he doesn't beat a player. He's clever with the ball and will get past the player, but he doesn't beat a, a, a defender with a trick or with with, you know, just general speed. So I think, look, if, I, th- I think if he even gets to Monday, surely Monday is last chance saloon. If we get thumped at home, then he, he, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take for him to sign his own resignation letter, but if we get thumped at home, it becomes, what's the 10th degree of untenable? I don't know. What's what's beyond where That's we are? It's been like uh, that for a while, hasn't it? It's, yeah, I don't... like, I, I, he's, he's doing it because... And I think it's testament to the bloke. I think he's... He he's pretty to, stoic. Yeah. He said to Steve Parrish in the summer, oh, oh, OK, I'll come in and, and see this season through to you. So as far as he's concerned, he'll get through this season by hook or by crook and and keep us safe. And that's his job done. And to be honest, we all deep down know that was probably the brief that was given to him at the start of the season. Keep us up and then we'll see where we are in summer 24. But, yeah, I, I think Francis... Ozo... I'm less certain about. I, I think it's probably more likely we'll see Jefferson Lerma drop deeper and deeper and deeper until he's a third centre half, to be honest. Um, so we'll see. And but you know, Wharton, relatively speaking, is an expensive signing. So I know we all hope there's the facility for us to bed him in and and give him time. Well, truth be told, I think Adam Wharton's going to see a lot of Premier League minutes between now and the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so on France and Selzy, the 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 name brought up for me. The post-match pod, he does mention that I think Dougie Freeman offered Roy Hodgson the opportunity to loan him out 
if loan France are out, if that if that made more sense. And Hodgson said no. And maybe that's, you know, it's frustrating when you think, wow, go and use him. But if he's saying no because of depth reasons, that brings on to a question here from Tony Dub. Dub- but, but Joe, just on that, yeah. if you took away the Michael Elise injury and he chucked on France at half-time and France had as good a second half as he probably did, we're probably all missing it because we're so you know, <laughs> glum. But if we'd actually said, okay, that's actually a positive, Roy has probably put his most trust in France since he's since he's joined the club. But it's all it's all shrouded by the ridiculous decision to bring Michael Lise on and and hamper ourselves for the rest of the season. Sorry, yeah. go on. That's what, yeah. I guess the, the what I'm leading to here with this question from Tony W on Twitter, who's said sort of nice of the board to bring in an attacker, wasn't it? It's not, you know, this doesn't all rest with one person. I think Roy is showing his contribution to how we've got here now. But given that France, all right, if Roy says don't let out France because I haven't got enough wide players, Crystal Palace have two loan spots available. Do not use either of them. And again, Wharton has come in and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to his performance and, and what people thought and what his prospects lie for the rest of the season. Not a direct decore replacement, which was said to be the priority before the window even opened by Steve Parrish. Did we somehow, as the highest spenders in January in the Premier League, still completely bungle that window? Go on, Longy. Yeah, I think this is where Steve Parrish would do a lot of good by coming out and not, not necessarily going on Twitter, but doing something through, through the club channels, just coming out and just not, doesn't have to explain himself. I mean, but just saying, look, this is what the situation is. This is where we are. This is why we went down the route of appointing Roy Hodgson for this one season. I think we're all quite clear that it was the brief, keep us up. We're going to take a bit of a gamble this season. We've had a look at the league. doesn't look as strong as it usually is. We want to save our the bulk of our money for next summer when we start the next project, when it's like Vieira when he first came in and we, and we made all them signings. That's clearly what the plan is, all right? Starting the new stand. That's meant to be starting in the summer. So Steve, Steve could come out now, come out of all this chaos and just say, look, look, guys, this is what's going on. This is why we didn't do the loan signings because there's got to be reasons why we didn't make a couple of loan signings or even one. There has to be a reason. And if he, if he comes out and explains them things, it might settle a few people down and think, oh, all right, fair enough. And then we can then play our part as fans and get behind the team and try and drive us over the line and get the, the five wins we need to stay in the league. But yeah, like it's it's, it, it's unfathomable, unfathomable. I can't even speak <laughs> that we didn't that we didn't use the two loans. I said on deadline day, it's mental if we don't use these any of these loan signings because I was convinced we would do at least one, at least one, and we didn't do either. So yeah, we, we kind of need someone to come out and say, well, why do we do it? What there was a there's got to be reasons. And I don't. There's players there. There is players available that we could have got in on loan. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm 100 sure there was. So yeah, I just feel like Steve could do answer quite a few critics by coming out and 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 just explaining a few little things, you know, and trying to get a few people back on side. Because um, there's people that are dead against the man, um, and then there's a lot of us that are with him still. Um, and then the people in the middle can get swayed either way. He could quite easily get them onto the his side rather than the, the protest a lot or whatever they want to be made known as. Um, but yeah, like Steve could really could really come out with, with 
with um, a bit of credit here and, and sort of explain what's can on and why we didn't do certain things. He, he has done it in the past. I'm sure yeah. he's done that in the past. Yeah, he's 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 fronted up before. It's, it's yeah, it's an odd situation which speaks to the wider boardroom kind of tension that there there is at the moment. I'm thinking. Uh, well, I think your point is right though, Joe. I think Walton was um, that signing was expedited because there was concerns that we wouldn't get him in the summer, and Daniel Munoz was a relatively cheap buy if you think of it that way. Um, has addressed a gap in the squad, although I think he's going to take some time to. So kind of get running. He got beaten for fun in that first half. Led to got beaten for the goal. Um, yeah. The the right back score Hinchelwood scored and got beaten fairly comfortably for the for the corner that led to the first goal. So, he, he, you know, he's going to take time to settle. He's been playing in the Belgian Belgian league, which is several levels below where we're asking him to play straight away. But at the start of that window, and was it the Bournemouth game when quotes were coming out from Steve Parrish in regard to the Decore injury? Yeah. It was yeah. the start of December. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we've dodged a bullet by not spending £8 million on bringing in a Calvin Phillips and remind him how to teach foot, uh, remind him how to play football. But there's got to be players out there in Europe that would have been able to come in and do a job. Um, and I'm stunned we didn't do that. Uh, you know, we've ended the transfer window as top spenders in the Premier League. But given the injuries that we've suffered, I'd say we're probably a worse squad than right now than we were at the start of January, which seems bonkers given that we ended the transfer window as top spenders. But yeah, the squad's light. Um, and it's, uh, you know, even someone like Malcolm Abue, who, you know, and, and uh, throw to Selzy again on this one, who said that he's seen him play for the other 23s in the Papa Johns this season and he doesn't look to be at the level. But given that he's probably third choice winger right now, but we've let him go. Yeah. And we haven't added anything in that part of the squad. And we're so light in parts. It's, it's a joke. Another transfer window goes by and Tyreek Mitchell remains our only competitive left-back. In theory, his kind of deputy or the perceived deputy is Ty Ardemarola. We've left the club. He's gone on loan as well. Yeah. So it's peculiar to, to end that window as top spenders, but <laughs> feel feel a bit unbothered by it all. Yeah, it's strange. I, I, I think we were unlucky. I think we might have got blindsided on the Maxwell Cornet deal, mm. who was on the bench transfer deadline day for West Ham. Ben Rama goes to Leon, and therefore, you know, it maybe the plug is pulled on that, but we don't have a contingency, or Four that nails. doesn't happen. Or Nails goes at the same time. Yeah, but yeah, even so, it's funny. I'm, I imagine that you think the Sheffield United game is the 30th of January after the window closes the next day. I imagine because it made him grey ass on Facebook. Presuming Roy will go, but why wait until after the transfer window to do it? I think in his heart, maybe not his mind, Steve Parrish and the ownership think, give Roy these players, Ebbs and Elise say fitness will come and it will be fine. And 10 days later, no, six, seven days later, that's already out the window and you now don't have the plan. You don't have the bailout period to get some extra bodies in. Now you're just stuck with the situation and you know it's it's as much of their own making as it is Roy with that with that crazy Elisa situation. Now. I do you think? And I wonder if both of you feel similar to this. But I think in the glitz and the glamour of of Ebbs and Elise, Czech Decore does get lost. Yeah. The, the the importance of that guy's role. I mean, he was our player of the season last year, and I, I just feel like he goes down at Luton in a very unfortunate injury. He's out for the season. We know from the moment he goes down, right? He's done for the rest of the season. 
How have we not replaced our player of the season from last year? How have we not done anything to add to that? Okay, in the interim during December when there's a ton of games anyway, so it's it's unfortunate the timing of the injury because we play, I think December's our biggest, biggest game period. month. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, you get through it. Chris Richards does a job in there. I don't know whether that kind of assured the club, oh, maybe Chris Richards could do a job in there. The guy can't pass the ball particularly effectively. He's done a job. Don't get me wrong. I think he's done a decent job in there. Nowhere near the levels of Czech Decore. And I'm not saying you're going to get a temporary measure to come in and replicate the exact class and form of one player, but to to leave that gap in the squad unaddressed, it's really underwhelming. It's concerning. The Chris Richards thing, I'll, I'll brush it quickly. I like him as a tackler, a destroyer, uh, when it comes to the defensive instincts. Um, when when he's playing in, in the holding role, in that Decore position, and it's we're playing a team that is not letting us just kind of dictate play, he really, yeah, he wants to only be, I think he only wants to be defending. And when we're playing a Man City or someone like that, it's fine, we can do that. When we're playing a team that's going to require us to kind of zip it around a little bit, the onus is on us to do something. Brian are better than us, but I include that in that include them in that. The Bournemouth game is another. He, you know, getting overrun in the way that Water got overrun for the third goal. Chris Richards, that happened to him a lot in that. Anyway, I was actually not when when Mark Gay goes off. I'm always going, okay, it's all right. It's actually good for Chris Richards that he's going to move back from there now. We might try and regain some control of the of the midfield, which didn't quite work out, but. I'm just looking at some other questions to fire through quickly. Rob Cormack on Insta asked, um, what do we think of the new signings? And Chris Wright on Facebook says, what are they thinking after that performance? Um, Longy. Uh, Munoz, uh, Jack touched on um, Tarek Lamptey on the left-hand side for some reason. Not even uh, a left-back. I think he's playing a sort of further up the pitch. A fast player in his pomp anyway. Has had some injury problems, but does give him a busy, busy... Uh, afternoon baptism of fire and all that, but coming out of that game, him and Water, what do they do? They do they know what they signed up for? Is this a is it how is that for a kind of arena? It didn't quite ha- go to plan. We were kind of hoping they would come in and raise the level and meet meet the you know be part of this great story where we pull a winner at, at the Amex, but it didn't work out like that. But do you retain some kind of hope and encouragement for what they bring the rest of the season? Oh, 100%, mate. I think both of them were absolutely... They will, they will prove to be great signings for the club. Um, the Munoz thing was someone we've looked at. We've done our due, dili- uh, due diligence. He, we got him for the price we wanted. Um, he ticked every single box. He's He fits the profile of what we were after. Um, now, I, I'm, a, I'm a right back. And when you're up against someone who is absolutely rapid, it's one of them ones. You get too tight, he does you. You give him a few yards like he was doing on the weekend. Lamptey is rapid, but he's also got the acceleration, which which was which was doing him every time. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make him a bad player. That just shows you that Lamptey's rapid. Yeah. And on his first game in the Prem, everyone was like, I mean, it was one of them days. The day was a terrible day and everyone's going to pick up on every single negative of every, every single player. But there was also a lot of good things that he did. Um, he got his yellow card, which I knew he would anyway. I was, I was happy with that. Yeah. I said, yeah, just get Put yourself about a bit because that's what that's what we want from you as well. So he done that, but his passing stats were really good. Um, there was lots of other good, good things that because of how crap Saturday was, no one would have picked up on him. They would have just beaten with the stick of getting beaten a couple of times by Lamptey. 
Um, Wharton, I the the third goal. The guys come in on the blind side. Now, it's I think it's quite harsh to, to blame him for that. Oh, he got caught on the ball. But when you're playing football, you haven't got eyes in the back of your head. You need your teammates to tell you, like, man on. I don't think he got man on shout there. So I'm not subscribing to it was Wharton's fault as much and he got caught down in on the ball. I've so, I've watched, obviously I left, so I've had to watch some highlights back. And he, I thought overall a 19-year-old boy coming in and on his Premier League debut against Brighton for us in the whole shit show of the whole game, I thought there was plenty of positives there for him as well. And the fact that Jack said earlier, he's probably going to get a lot more minutes now. I think that's, if we can survive this year, it, it could be the making of him. Like, literally thrown in at the deep end. Technically, he's, technically he's excellent. And the speed of the game, he, 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 he's got that. He's got that in the locker, not a problem. And getting called out a little bit by Roy on the third goal, I thought was well harsh. Because like I say, the guy's come on his blind side and, and, and nicked the ball off him. And then obviously they've scored from it. But yeah, both players, great great signings. The problem is it, we didn't do everything else that we needed to do, which again is like, well, why did we do that? Just like when we spent all that money on Henderson and everyone was caning us because we didn't do the other stuff. Yeah, The other stuff, not doing that, is then saying, well, why did we do this? We could have got, we didn't really need to do that. But both of them, I mean, Wharton, if we didn't sign him in, in January, he would have gone somewhere else, probably bigger club than us in 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 the summer, we had to do that now. And I think we got a good price for that one as well. Pretty much got the deal we wanted um, in the end as well. So, yeah, I, I'm 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 really happy with both of them. Yeah, there was a couple of things on Saturday which weren't great, but there was a lot more positives as well. So <laughs> They very much weren't alone, were they? <laughs> like, <let's laughs> um, nah. You mentioned Henderson there. I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to bring in uh, one question, Jack, from Violent Bob 4. It's general. There's a few like this. Violet Bob asks what Johnston has to do to get back in the starting lineup. Mentions 11 goals in three games, conceded by Dean Henderson. Um, what what have you seen Dean Henderson do wrong that you think justifies these kind of calls? Is it just being goal for Crystal Palace or not be Sam Johnston? Really funny, isn't it? The Sam Johnston thing is a lot of love for Sam. His first 10 games were that were those 10 games. Mm. Um Last end of last season, so naturally we're going to have a lot of affinity with him because he was in goal during a great time. He got his song very quickly. Um, very good goalkeeper when he got injured. Had I think was was tied for the most clean sheets. But there were elements of his play which I was like, I don't know if if he's the second coming. I, I, I don't think he's. There were elements of his of his performance. Where I was a bit like, oh okay. Like he, I think he's he's benefiting from having two very good centre halves in front of him. But he, naturally those two centre halves are benefiting from having a very good goalkeeper. But I felt the three of them were just on top of their game so much that that it was all kind of yeah in a good in a good way for for Sam. He gets injured, um, and is replaced by a guy who's very very highly rated. I I've seen nothing from Henderson in terms of the goals he's conceded that has made me think he shouldn't be in the team. I, I don't think his distribution has been great at points. I think there's been a, instances where his his distribution could be better. In terms of Saturday specifically, a bit like the corner, or was it the second goal that Arsenal scored where he's kind of stuck on his line? Yeah. I thought he could have been a little bit more influential in that 
in that ball that comes in that, and I will say his name, Lewis Dunk, who does nod it in. I, I felt that he was a little bit too static, but I'm sure those you, that know goalkeeping better than I do, do you think say, so? well, actually, he, he could be doing a bit more. But it's a very good delivery. I actually thought our organisation from that set piece was piss poor. Mm. I, I thought the fact that Dunk, who I think it was Anderson who he beats in the air, they're the last two um, defend uh, last two players in the box. We get front loaded. The the runs completely distract our defence, and they're left one on one. There's no one to even influence that one on one duel. And, and I think from a defensive set piece perspective, that's really disappointing for it to happen. The first set piece of the game to ha- for it to happen three minutes in is really disappointing. So. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Henderson that I just want anyone to influence that one-on-one duel. Yeah. Dunk is a threat in the air. We should have been on top of that far better than we were. The other goals, I think he gets grief for the second one because he doesn't dive. I think it's a very good header into the literally the the edge of the goal. Yeah. Well, you've got to head it back where it comes from. That's always yeah. what you're instructed. Yeah. Again, I mean, I would again not dismissing the point that the long he's made in terms of Munoz is uh, positives from Saturday, but there were elements. Of, of his performance where he was getting burnt by Lamptey too easy. And that second goal is exactly that demonstrated. Cross comes in, good header. Henderson dives, maybe people don't give him as much grief. Third goal, no chance. Fourth goal, no chance. So, no, don't really think there's there's too much to blame Dean Henderson for in terms of Saturday. But as we find with lots of players, a player becomes better the longer they don't play. Um I don't know, was that was that Sam Johnson's brother yesterday who threw a grenade into Palace social media? Was that his brother or a yeah, relation a, of some form? But a, a Johnston anyway who suggested that. Uh, so I, I think the consensus generally has been for those that are trying to work out how this is all put together, beyond the idea that Henderson was available at a great price. Hmm. There was this idea that Sam Johnston was unhappy. He said that in a Guardian interview when he's. Had a nice write-up uh, when he got in the England team again and played. The idea was that actually was unhappy when Guaita was here. Thought he'd get more of an opportunity. Was kind of thinking about life after Palace again. Homesick, maybe. Then he gets his opportunity. Falls in love with the club. His words, and then people suggesting that ah, does that then just complicate the fact that Palace have thought about life after Johnston, assuming he's going to go and and Vinny might go too. And then but he stayed, and we've also now end up with two wicked goalkeepers. Uh, this supposed brother of Sam Johnson goes online and says, it's not true that he was looking to go at any point. And that has just sort of ignited the confusion. And yeah, and, well, and he leaves yeah. he leaves his post with a line, something along the lines of, there's more to it. Yes. Something like that. And it's all a bit like, whoa, what are you talking about? Yeah, the other thing with Johnston, which is probably amplifying his feeling, if there is a feeling, is he's probably seeing the guy who's going to go on the plane to Germany that was his seat until he got injured. He was England's number two. He was started an England international this season. I can see why there's frustration from a player. And just one other point to the end of the game, the whole weird fracas, whatever that was at the end of the game, is when every player like left and Lewington and, and McCarthy left, there was one man left standing there and it was Sam Johnston. I thought, I didn't even see you come along. It was like a ghost appeared of Sam Johnston and he kind of offered an apology. And yeah, it was all, it was all a bit bizarre. It's, it's all a bit bizarre, isn't it? It's all just a bit weird at the moment, and I don't really know what to make of any of it. But this is always going to be the issue when you've got two high-caliber goalkeepers. It was always going to lead to fans leaning on one a bit more. I, I do think the grief that Dean Henderson is, is having directed to him is unfair. I, I don't think he's particularly fallible for any of the goals that, that we've conceded, other than 
I thought he was poor for the second Arsenal goal in the 5-0. But even the one on Saturday that I'm talking about that I think he maybe could come and do more, well, there'll be plenty of people who think he does the right thing by staying on the line and, and being the shot stopper that he, he probably thinks he was going to be. It's just a header that's directed the bottom corner and, and couldn't be placed any better. Yeah, and if and if so, it is apparently said that Dean Kiley is our set piece coach. Maybe he's there under instruction to not go for it. You know, right? So we'll, we'll I guess we won't ever know that stuff. Um, Why do we stop putting people on the post as well on corners? Disappeared, okay. hasn't it? Ah, oh, yeah. That first goal, someone was on the post. They just volley it away. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, not many yeah. teams at the top teams do anymore. But that that first goal was so soft. It looked like everybody was in a six-yard box. It was really yeah. strange. But all dragged forward. Yeah. And Pascal, I think it's Pascal Gross. He's just like, well, I'll, I'll hang it back then and, yeah. and leave our best header of the football against their best header of the football and see how we go. Yeah. And, that, and they the, scored a goal. The defensive start, you know, there were a couple of questions on that I won't get into because of time, but we're, we're looking very porous in defence generally now, and that is, that's the bad sign for the risk-averse Palace style that we're we're used to under Roy, you know, for what it needs to be in order for it to work. You know, I guess some of that is down to the fact that we've not got a midfield that can hold onto the ball. We've not got a forward line that can hold onto the ball and make something happen at the other end. So it's just coming back at us wave after wave. And eventually, especially if some of them are out of form, like an Anderson, he's not had some great moments. It's going to, and then you throw in a new couple new players in there. It's going to be, we're going to have to rely on getting goals rather than holding on to clean sheets. And that that third one, when Anderson just offers the leg, yeah. terrible. Yeah, terrible. Not great. Um, I'm going to squeeze in one more question here. Um, not Russell Levy's question, which is, "Are we all feeling spoiled today?" I think we've <laughs> answered that. I think we've answered that. Which Come actually, on, which feeds into the the when Roy has not helped himself, even in hamstrung he has stuff like that has just really got us here where we are today um the question i wanted to ask was um from ricky b on twitter who says it's actually fair on roy to keep him in place at this point i said after the arsenal game i felt deeply uncomfortable that i felt a 76 year old geezer was being flogged i i i felt that the longer it went on we were going to end up with almost the entire fan base thinking he has to go the derogatory comments in heading his direction. Um, and I think that question bleeds in directly the direction of the decision makers that thought it was appropriate to bring him back and leave him with the squad they've left him. Because even if Ebbs and Elise were fit, I'd still argue we're light. I'd still argue we haven't got the options off the bench and we're relying on two two players who were playing championship football three and four years ago. So, And we always like, have injury crisis around November, we, December, we always January. Have, we always have injuries. It's a football club. Mm. They're playing 38 competitive games of football season. We're going to get injuries. Like, but it, yeah, I, I do feel for Roy, and I still feel for Roy, even though I'm now advocating that I think he has to go. I still feel for Roy. I think he's a decent bloke. I think he's done a lot for this football club. Um, I think he's a good man. I, I'm not going to shy away from my opinion about Roy Hodgson, yes, he's been coming increasingly tetchy as, as this second spell has gone on. I think he feels very frustrated himself. But yeah, I, I do think he has been left to the wolves. And now he's making decisions that are jeopardising himself, the club, players, because I think he's just got nothing really to fight with anymore. And yeah, for his sake, as much as anything, I don't think he should be our manager anymore. That it, Part of my thought about it is that actually, yeah, Roy, go and have a nice glass of red with 
with with Sheila and, and have a good evening, mate, because you've earned it. You've you worked your ass off for 48 years. I know you love the game, but the game's starting to not love you. And I've, it's quite a it's quite a difficult place to be, really, watching on. Yeah. Let, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, listeners, for your questions. There were loads and loads and loads. But it was stuff I hope that we've covered elsewhere on the pod, if not by other questions that were quite similar. But thank you very much. I um, have a question for Longy. Joe, if it's all right. Yeah, go for it. As an NFL fan and a neutral, what are your feelings about Sunday? Let's talk about a game that we want to talk about. <laughs> Oh, to be honest, mate, I'm I'm so disappointed with the way the Dolphins ended up. I was you've, signed, you've signed the I, season off. <laughs> I was convinced we were we were making a Super Bowl. Um okay. and then even last even the championship games, I wanted the two other teams to win. So I think I'm I'm a 49ers, mate. Kind of the Chiefs winning. Cannot stand the Chiefs. Fine. That's the answer I wanted. That's the answer. Good. And I know a few other <laughs> listeners might want that one as well. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Here I did go. spend part of my day today trying to find if there was a palace link. To either sets of players, but uh, there's no palace link to either the Chiefs or the Rob Sutherland. He's a Fort Niners fan. That'll do. That'll do. So am I. So um, I'll take it. Oh yeah, I'll take it. Oh, yeah, play. I'll probably be smiling if we if if the Niners get over the line. Chelsea could have scored their fourth in the first 15 minutes, and I'll still be there, stood there <laughs> smiling. So it's okay. You, the tonic you... I might need. However, if they lose, yeah, I might, I might bring my own bed sheet or something like that with something scribbled on it. I don't know. <laughs> You, you you might as well be speaking Swahili as far as I'm concerned, chaps. You never got the bug. Nip it in the bug. No, uh, maybe one day, but not not right now. I could use a distraction actually, sporting wise. I'm uh, I'm off to the darts next uh, World Senior Darts next weekend. That's that's my distraction because uh, it's going to be better than. Uh, Mark, I mean, more more Martin Wolfie Adams than Patrick Mahomes. Then yes, yeah, that's my that's my speed. Um, <laughs> there will be one. One more, more difficult question for you both, but I'm going to give you till the next part to think about it because we're going to have to try and find some people for three, two, one chats. So have a think on that <laughs> on the other side of this. Okay, part three of the Five Year Plan podcast, and. We have to, for the sake of consistency, for the integrity of 3 one we're going to have to reflect on uh, the weekend. I guess you can include the Sheffield United game, can't you? Okay, did, did that happen did in the that, last pod? No, uh, I did that last week. Oh, so it's just a Brighton game, and I'm not going to do you any favours. I am going to... Oh, no, I'm going to go first. I'm really going to drop you two in it. Um, my person that I'm going to put forward is... Jean-Philippe Mateta for getting a goal, a header. We spoke after the Sheffield United game how well he played and and actually learning to use his physique properly in a way that it's often been frustrating how often he hasn't done that during his time at Palace. City game was another one like that, actually. It's, it's becoming more and more markedly obvious that he's learning that and applying it properly. And that concurs, you know, you factor in that and that... The continuation of that is applied with the goal. It's an excellent header, actually. Is it his first header? Uh, the Millwall goal was a header? Millwall goal, yes. Okay. Other than that, I can't think of another one's being a header. Most of them were on the ground first time instinctive finishes, mm. um, which I think is his strength. But it's great to see an aerial threat from him, even though the goal ends up meaning nothing and it's in a meaningless game. It's not a another goal at Brighton that he can kick a corner flag and add to his collection. Imagine but, if he had. Imagine if he had the goal. 
<laughs> yeah, oh. he's sensational. <laughs> Get him out of the club. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah, it would have been yeah, split split the fan base. Just to kind of lean on on Longy's adage there in terms of the positives of Munoz's performance that are probably lost in in light of the nature of the defeat and everything. I think actually the quality of the goals probably been lost because to score a header from outside the the the, the, the posts yeah. at that speed when a ball's whipped in like that, that's a hell of a goal. Um, so it's right. a real shame it's been lost. So yeah, fair shout, Joe. Um, and he did cause quite an argument between. Brighton centre halves at one point, so that was yeah, small bit of an afternoon joy that I saw when two Brighton fans, the two Brighton players, were having quite the argument because of John Philippe Mateta. Um, was actually surprised he got taken off. Is that is that is that having a Lise Gate happening? Is that where we're going? Oh Christ, who might have preserved now? I need to. Oh, if, if we are at the point where we're wrapping up John Philippe Mateta in cotton wool. <laughs> it's desperate. Well, you know, I keep saying, I keep being optimistic about well, we're going to play this team who've just been done, a bad result. Chelsea's defenders have been sixes and sevens recently. Maybe maybe he's the man to frustrate them a little further, fingers crossed. Um, Longy, I'll, I'll throw to you uh, your alternate. Sorry, Jack, I have to check it no, out. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, I think us of this parish, we have to kind of take the bullet when we have to, so yeah. yeah. Is, um, is, is there anyone that comes to mind for you? I think I could, I could pick Franca. But I feel I would feel like a bit of a fraud because I literally left the ground so early that I didn't really get to appreciate <laughs> how well he had actually played. So I, I feel like I can't. Possibly Jack's going to pick Francis, so I feel like I'll be absolutely stealing that one. And oh, yeah, I, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm in, I'm in the boat to do that after leaving the game early. So I am gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Adam Wharton, and I like I said earlier. I thought it was harshly criticised for the goal that the, the third goal, um, and yeah, I feel like he didn't look like a, didn't look like a rabbit in headlights when he came on, and he could have quite easily because he's very. I mean, he looks slight. Yeah. He definitely looks slight, but um, he could he could have easily not not stepped up on on Saturday and with everything that was going on around him. The fact that it was our rivals. Um, the way the game was going and he was literally thrown in and I, I thought he did a really decent job and there was loads to be positive about. So I, I, he, he would be my choice. Yeah. 20 years old today at the time of recording, by the way, happy yeah. birthday, Adam Wharton. Uh, Jack, fair play to Longy. He's, at, he's, he's fr- thrown a, a, li- a life raft at you there. Throw me a bone. Uh, just, just on Adam Wharton, I thought there were a couple of moments that, that showed why we have invested that that money in him. Lovely way to pass a couple of times. Very good in terms of his balance, moving away from players, um, and made a couple of season Premier League players look very daft at, at points. Also gave us what I would consider the biggest roar of the afternoon. So we'll yeah. we'll, we'll comment um, and, and commend him for that. Um, yeah, I, I will I will go for Francis then in light of my comments in the first part. I think that's the first time I picked him this season. I, I just thought he looked like he's developed. Physically, but also in confidence. Um, he ghosted past a few players a few times, looked looked good. His weight of pass was, at points, a little bit frustrating. He, he kind of mistimed and uh, misweighted his pass a few times, which which led to a move breaking down. But at least he was showing the intent to, to make those passes in the right parts of the pitch. But I thought his best play was when he was playing centrally. I, I thought he looked he looked best there, which, um, which is good to see because in the gap, Without um, Eze, we need somebody who could possibly do that. So, 
Yeah, he, he is who I will give uh, my nomination to. But can I give special mention to uh, my brother, uh, Ben, who um, I think drank a hospitality bar dry uh, during Saturday afternoon and also thanked Alan Mullery as he thought Alan Mullery was the restaurant manager as he left. So I hope Alan Mullery's ego took a bit of a beating at about 6.30 on Saturday evening. But yeah, special mention to my brother for probably the, the best Palace performance of the afternoon, actually, in terms of... of impacting their profit margin. Um, but no, Matthias Franzer would be uh, would be my shout. I think he's still paying for it. I spoke to him on Sunday and he, he didn't sound great. So I'm hopeful he's recovered fully by this point. So if he is listening, he does sometimes listen, even though he tells me he doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah, hope you're guy. all right. Hope you're all right, mate. <laughs> yeah. So now we do the next difficult part, which is distributing these points accordingly. Is there anyone that stands out among those three that you think Deserves uh, more than one point, or even the full whack, the full set of three. I got JP for the three. Like, yeah. like he really, like you say, building on recent performances, he's becoming a bit of the go-to guy, and it really was a really good header. It really was. It, the ball was behind him. He's 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 arched his body, and he's got some power behind it as well. So I, I, I think he definitely deserves the three, in my opinion. And I agree because I think that will put him top, and oh. I want the chaos to continue. More chaos. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, nothing sums up this week than John Philippe Mateta going ahead in our Player of the Season competition. Isn't that isn't that the case of where we are? Then I think we need it. I think we all need it. <laughs> Joe, I'll leave, I'll leave it to you to, to allocate the other two. I think two promising youngsters showing uh, showing potential. Uh, I, full transparency, I, I'd gone by the time France had... Uh, no, I, in fact, I'd seen him come on the pitch, actually, because he came on from Michael Elise, but I didn't... But, you know, I, I didn't see enough of his work to to really know how well he did. So I can only, despite, you know, what happened with the furlough, I'm going to give it to Adam Wharton. I really want this to be a child. I, I, I really, I'm still really excited about him. I still really want it to work. I think it will work. Um, it will just be blooded in a lot more urgently than perhaps we'd all like it to be. But, you know, that Chelsea game, let's be honest, look, the video compilations of Adam Wharton, prior to us joining, were a really impressive performance at Stamford Bridge for Blackburn in the Cup. So a nice repeat against that same team could do very nicely. Now he won't get a minute. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Right. Okay. We wrap that up very quickly and then let's just very, very quickly move, look ahead to that Chelsea game then. It's a, a Monday night at Selhurst. As we mentioned, it's not going to be a great atmosphere. Um, but if you are coming, please do best to rally behind the team and the players that are available because they are going to need it. Despite Chelsea's form, uh, you've got to look at how our form and where our heads might be at as a squad. They're going to need our backing. Uh, so enjoy the weekend off and and keep it cheery and then save it for Monday night. Let it all out. Um, Hungry Runner 82 on our Instagram said, we can't replace like for like, supposedly. What do you think guys think about 4-4-2? It's a Roy Classic. We saw a lot of it in the in the previous spell. Um, is that something we need to be looking at with the current availability that we've got? And, I mean, judging by the faces of both of you, neither of you seem particularly keen on it there. But, uh, Jack, I'll ask you first. Is that is that something that you're, if not expecting, you'd rather you'd rather see with the players available? Jeffrey Schlapp left and Jordan right. Is that what we're thinking with JP and Edward? I guess it would top. be. I guess it would be, wouldn't it? And Will Hughes and Jefferson Lerma in the middle of the park. Or oh, I hope it'd be Lerma then Lerma and Wharton rather than than Hughes. But you know it won't be. 
Um, yeah. No, only because one that team. That's rank. That's freaking me out. <laughs> but two, it also gives us very little option off the bench. Right. Um, and I wonder if he's not deploying Edward at the same point as Mateta because he feels he needs one of them to come on with 20 minutes to go because they both might not have it in the in the tank for various reasons. One is JP's very all-out-there performances and Edward still coming back from an injury himself. So um, I, I think we'll see 4-3-3, but I, I actually think we will see Edward and Mateta start, even though what I've just said, I think Mateta will start as the central striker and, and Edward will come in off the left um, somewhere that he was deployed under Vieira previously as well. Not particularly brilliantly. I, I, I recorded him scoring a couple of goals against Norwich at home from from that vantage point, but one was a penalty and the other one was um, against a, a very flagging Norwich team. But look, we've got very few options in that team. Uh, if if you know, I pull up and seven o'clock and I see that David Ozo or Matthias France is in the starting lineup, I might have a bit of a bit of a smile. But I am expecting to see the the same faces if the manager remains. If I mean, we haven't even talked about who an alternative manager to Roy would be, even if they did come in. And I think that sums it up, really, that, that even us who, who live and breathe Palace can't really pinpoint a particular person that we think would come in, wouldn't come in. Just one thing that I did pick up on Saturday and, and where we were, somewhat relevant to Chelsea as well with, with Graham Potter. I heard from several people, Brighton fans on, on Saturday, that there's quite an expectation that the next job that Graham Potter takes could quite possibly be the Brighton job come the summer with the expectation that Roberto De Zerbi will will be leaving. So the continuous reference of Graham Potter being, I don't think he's thinking about a job now. I don't think he's going to take any job between now and the end of the season. And whether it's Brighton in the summer or someone else, I think Graham Potter will see what's available in the summer. Um, and I think any attendance of Graham Potter at Palace match is pure coincidence. I don't think he's, he's at the table. Um, but the fact that there is no clear candidate and that, Twitter's scaring itself to death, but you know, old memes of Chris Coleman or Alan Pardew. <laughs> it just sums it up to be honest. But but sorry, just to go back to the point, if it is Roy Hodgson, I, I do think he will stick to the players that he trusts, this notional trust that we've talked about so many times this season. Um it, it might be a uh, yeah. Bit of a grim period. Uh, the concourse between seven and eight on Monday might not be the place to be. I really just we'll want see. it not to be like I know I know that's yeah. such a childish reaction. I really just want it to not be that. I really just want it to be. Roy goes, all oh, right. He even if it's a up yours, here you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm playing them all. This is you know. To be playing fair, Vieira <laughs> um, did it at Brighton away before he got sat. He, he would never play Edward, did he? It was a real thing, and then he like started him at Brighton, and and it was a, very much like a last roll of the dice move, and it didn't pay off, but. Oh, yeah, I would just like it to be okay. Look, here's something something we can get our teeth into, something we can clip a you know a straw we can clutch to. And Longy, if would a win, I'd, would a win or a good performance, a good result, I'd even accept like a hard fought draw in, in and include it in that. Would that change your feelings on the situation at all, or is it just a stay of execution at this point? Do you reckon? I think it's gone too far down the line. It's and. Even if we even if we win, it's it is it's ultimately just going to be a stay of execution, and it is it is game to game, week to week, how the mood is, what happens in the game. Um, just because it's too far down the line now, it's gone too far. Uh, too many people are, are are on the Roy outside now, 
and the people that were banging in the middle and trying to give them as long as they can, they've already stepped over that now after what we talked about earlier and the reasons why. So even with a good performance, a win or even like I say a draw, I just think it's just it will be then we'll move to the next game, which is Everton away, which is going to be mad tough. Um, and it's going to be like that and until there is a change it's going to be game by game see how that game goes see the fallout of the game any any comments that he comes out with people will jump on it any performances people will jump on those and it, that's just the way we are at the minute literally it's it's going to take him going and someone else coming in which I just that's the biggest problem the biggest sticking point here is Nobody wants to come in now looking at the squad we've got going, I could risk my long-term prospects of getting that job or another job by taking this job because there's no there's no doubt we're deep in trouble. Um, there's probably one spot, relegation spot, that's going to be up for grabs. I think Sheffield United and Burnley are going to go, but there's one spot. Luton are doing their damnedest to not be involved in that. And then... We're playing we them in about a month as well. What, oh, mate, the next one of games. The next one of games, we've got a, we've got a bang average Chelsea team who we should have beaten at Stamford Bridge, and I'm yep. still annoyed we didn't. Mm. We've got them next week. We're Everton away who are in bad form, yeah. but at Goodison, they're always, the crowd seem to get them over the line. Then we've got Tottenham away, which we never get anything. In fact, Burnley, no, sorry, we've got Burnley, Burnley, sorry, Burnley at home, yeah. which, yeah. Is, massive. which is massive. Like, it's, it's, it is proper... Like the ultimate six pointer at this very moment in time. Then Tottenham away, which we write it off, we lose, Son will score. Standard, we won't score. That's that's a standard. We just we can write that one off. But then we've got Lewin at home. And then potentially we'll have a three week gap because it looks like Newcastle will be through in the FA Cup. So that, that Newcastle game is going to get moved. So we're going to have a three week gap there. So if Roy doesn't go in the next coming days, I don't think he's going to go until that point. That'll be when they look at it again, maybe. Unless something really bad goes wrong. We get battered by Chelsea or we lose to Burnley, etc. But and, yeah, this next Longy, one again, Longy, what without, that, without, what? Ebbs, without Ebbs and Elisa as well, it's like if we go to that point, time. though, if we go to that point, that would be the anniversary of them sacking Patrick Vieira. I had this conversation in one of my group chats. I said, I, I've, I've referenced the three week gap. I said, look, we've got three week gap. Look, if he doesn't go this week, he's go, it'll go then. And they were like, oh, it'd be too late. I said, well, it wasn't too late last year because it was literally, it's to the point, it was like, say, it's, it's almost to the year. That we did it last year, and there, there's enough winnable games in that last run to, to get us over the line. Like I say, I, I, I look at the table. I think we need five wins between now and the end of the season. Five wins, and there's games in there where you go Luton and Burnley at home. They're the ones you bank and your money on. The, um, the Leicester Even, equivalent game. One nil. I was trying to mark out the equivalent fixtures. The Leicester equivalent game is Forest yeah. away. Forest away, exactly. After that three week gap. Yeah. And then we got Bournemouth away on the Tuesday night. Like that, which, that, which I've just booked a hotel. Like the bug yeah. is like you cannot escape this. Yeah. Despite everything, I've just booked a hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bournemouth away. Like you cannot help yourself. Exactly, mate. That's a, is that a relatively local one for you as well, Loggies? <laughs> yes, yeah, just literally down the road, mate. I'm literally I'm on the process of booking a hotel as well. I'm treating a wife to a, to Bournemouth away. So we have a little, oh, little bit of time oh, back. Beautiful. Romances are dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She knew what she signed up for, lad, because she married me. <laughs> it's, uh, it, but the Chelsea one, belonging is exactly right. I mean, we're, we're talking 48 hours after they got pumped at home by a decent Wolves team. You know, yeah. when you're at the point where you're looking at Gary O'Neill being like, oh, oh man, 
the, the, the oh, connect he's been? got with the fans, mate. The pump, yeah. the fist pumps, and it's like, oh, what crying out for something like that? Yeah, he's a local, got... local to us. He's a local yeah, to Palace as well. Beckham boy, isn't he? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the Chelsea fans are, yeah, they're they're in all sorts of despair themselves. But they've only got themselves to blame for the way their their club's been run and and all that. But the fear with them, they've got so many in theory, theoretically good players that it could just click and they roll us over and, yeah. and it's done very quickly. But the longer that game goes on, it's not even without Ebbs and Elisa, there's still a game to be had there because they're so bang out of form. But yeah, let's, let's wait until never do I think during my time supporting Palace, have I been so impacted by the team lineup as I, as I am at the moment. And yeah, Saturday hurt. We've, we've seen that. And without Ebbs and Lisa on the bench, that hurt. So I'm, I'm hopeful there'll be some some recovery to morale on uh, on Monday night. Yeah, and Monday, Monday night will be the third Palace Chelsea game within the club in in a matter of days as well. Because um, yeah. the ladies playing them in the FA Cup on the Sunday, and then Thursday I do need to mention um, it's the yeah. Under 18s FA Cup game against Chelsea at Sellers. Yeah, um, tickets from a pound. Tickets for from a pound. Uh, Quinny's been on. Like Quinny, I know through playing for us with the Rent team, yeah. he's he said he's open to see as many Palace fans down there as as possible, just to cheer on the boys. Um, a lot of things going wrong with the club at the minute, and we're all in a bit of disarray. But we can certainly look at the academy teams, and certainly Quinny's under eighteen team. There's some really exciting players there. So if anyone is available to get down there Thursday, and and within the madness of the first team environment, focus um, on some good things at the minute. Um, Bill Shacks reckons that we've got if we if we win, we've got Millwall away in the next round, which would be quite interesting. Get team into that, Palace fans. Come on, tasty. Yeah, but yeah, get yourself down, get yourself down, to sell us on Thursday, uh, uh, listeners, if you can, and support support the young lads. And like I say, it's a bit crap first team wise at the minute, but that's certainly something we can all get behind and, and give a show of support. I think. And the yeah. women, and the women, it's, it's, and the women. If you can get down, uh, they're having a really good season. Yeah, really I mean, good season. It's a tough task taking on Chelsea women. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what an experience for them. I mean, they've sort of pretty much gone full-time now, the ladies' team, So, and they're always at the, they're full-time at the academy and stuff. So this season's been been really, really good for them and their development and getting to play against the Chelsea team, which is going to be full of lionesses, is, is going to be a great experience. Again, I know they get good support anyway, but yeah, if anyone's free on Sunday, get yourselves down. I think Kingstonian they play, yep. Chelsea, Chelsea team. So... Yeah, and then set yourself up for the for the big one on Monday night. Yeah, and that's a nice that's a nice note to finish on. I mean, we could dwell on the the the, the doom and the pending doom of that of the of the, the Monday night, but just a real reminder of what we're really in this for, what we can contribute positively, and you know what we're all hoping to see from our club in its various guises and various teams moving forward. What we want, the palace we want to believe in, we can still push towards that at Sellers Park, at uh, at Kingstonian's ground for that, for that women's game. Let, I feel that that's the nicest end way to end this. I feel like because you know we're, I, I'm very easily I've I found myself being very easy into a spiral over the last few weeks on here, and and on my my social media reflects that too. I'm getting very impressionable. I'm firing off on news media reports I'm losing my rag and I just no Monday night they're going to get my full back in and, and I hope the same goes for you guys and the, and the listeners as well so we'll wrap it up there 
a bumper five-year plan once again. Always get your money's worth of me. Uh, I used to apologise for it, but maybe I only apologise for you guys for sitting in for this long. So thank you and sorry, Jack Pierce. I'll speak to you again soon. And uh, Longy, thank you again for coming on. Uh, delighted that we could speak to you again. And uh, hopefully next time I see you, it'll be after some very positive Palace news to smile about. Yeah, nice one, mate. Like I say, I don't mind coming on any time. Like, like you say, it's cathartic to, to talk about it. Um, but all I'll reiterate to anyone who's listening, let's get behind the boys and start the game. If it doesn't go right, then we can have a moan up at the end. But start the game. Let's get behind them and, and do what we do best. We're Palace fans. We, we don't expect to beat everyone every week. We know what we are. So and we, what we do best is we support our team. So, yeah, everyone out there who's, li- who's listening, please just stick with the team. No matter if you don't want the manager, if you don't want the owners, let's support the team. Let's do our bit. Let's make Salas loud and let's try and get us over the line. Yeah, too right. Uh, you think Chelsea, the sword of Damocles is hanging over Pochettino as well. You know, they're a team that are, you know, nervous whether or not they they should be with the players they've got. We've got to be the 12th man and get it over the line. So hopefully when we rejoin you next week or the post-match pod in between as well for the patrons, something like that has materialised. And if not, we've got a lot to talk about either way. So thanks very much and we'll see you later. Podcast Network.